Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. I'm Ron Price, and I have a company called Price Associates, and this is Dan Price, who has a company called Gravity Payments, and I'm grateful that he's one of my sons. And we've had a lot of interesting times together. Some of them have been tremendous fun. Some of them have had a fair amount of stress attached to them, but we love each other and we keep learning from each other. So we thought, why not have a conversation today? So Dan, thanks for agreeing to uh, go on Zoom with me to talk. Love you, Dad. Yeah, great. And um, my hair's not catching up with yours, but it is getting pretty shaggy because of this stay-at-home thing. It looks good. Yeah, well, I've, I've hacked at the side of it of once or twice, but not much happening at the top. So, we, Looks great. We, we, before we started recording, we just jumped on. I couldn't see all your hair. I thought, what's he done? Has he cut it? And then I saw that it was braided, and now you've become, I don't know, you've become more the way we expect to see you. So, <laughs> obviously, you have uh, built quite a large audience through social media and uh, through some of the different broadcast stations because of the way that you've been thinking about leading. So I thought, let's talk a little bit about leading and uh, have a conversation about leading, especially during this time where, because of COVID-19, virtually everybody has been disrupted in some way. So for me to start off, Price Associates, we're, we're a leadership advisory firm and our mission is pretty simple. We want to help grow great leaders because we believe that great leaders change the world. Um, It's really as simple as that. So tell us a little bit about what Gravity Payments mission is and how it relates to what we're going through right now. (laughs) Well, in a broad sense, our mission is to stick up for people fighting for the American dream, stick up for underdogs. But specifically, uh, the company tries to help small businesses compete against monopolies. And there's kind of two different ways that we do that. The one is that uh, small businesses have to pay way, way too much just to get paid on a credit card. So we, um, we work for them to try to reduce the costs and headaches associated with accepting credit cards. But then number two is um, giving them technology to allow them to compete in the digital age where, you know, so much is going to Amazon and Starbucks and Walmart and all these companies. How do we give small businesses the technology to to be able to continue to thrive, you know, in, in an increasingly digital age and obviously with a big accelerator like this? So, you know, since the COVID-19 crisis, we've been uh, basically working around the clock, like setting up restaurants where they can have online ordering on their website and have a direct relationship with their customers and not have to rely on third-party technology companies like Uber Eats, um, We've been uh, putting order ahead um, into independent coffee shops so that they can compete with the likes of Starbucks with the Starbucks app through our um, partnership with Joe Coffee. We've been setting up lawyers with email uh, to pay invoices where you can just click right from the email and pay uh, because you know lawyers aren't seeing their clients in person as much and that can make the pay rate go down and making paying easier can make it go mm-hmm. up. We've been setting uh, up retail businesses with text to pay, all things that are acutely designed to help with social distancing, but also protect with revenue because, 
you know, with the social distancing comes a decline in revenue. So if we can use technology to bring that revenue back up, that can help those small businesses. But also, um, it's all technology that can help the business, you know, beyond this current crisis as well. Yeah. So I, I, this is a leading question because I already know the answer, but I found this out in a conversation you and I were having last week. This whole thing about using Uber Eats or one of these other delivery systems, you, you told me that they're generally taking somewhere around 30% of the ticket as part of the price for picking up and delivery. Do you, are you guys doing something similar to that with your online ordering or how are you handling that? So with ours, they get 100%. The restaurant gets 100%. There's no commission at all. Um, and, you know, 30% commission in some industries would be maybe somewhat doable if there's a very high margin, but restaurants don't have the kind of margin. So when you support, in theory, a restaurant through Uber Eats, um, at the end of the day, it does very little for those restaurants. We've seen that cycle with a few different types of companies. There was that company called Groupon that was like took off, you know, like eight, nine years ago, something like that it was all the group buying discounts and everything. And, you know, for these small businesses, like revenue is so important to them that they're willing to try a lot of things. So some of these schemes that really are counterproductive to their bottom line don't seem counterproductive because it can seem kind of like an add on but then they start to erode. You know, another example of this that we see all the time is uh, open table. You know, you can sign up your restaurant for open table for open table to send you diners. And then open table will start to capture whenever people are Googling your restaurant, trying to get there directly and seeing if they can intercept them and then take credit for bringing them to you. So it's just another example. And we're trying to protect against those things mm -hmm. because those things are a way for huge companies to, kind of take money away from a restaurant and put it in their own coffers. Yeah, you know, part of what I love about what you're talking about with technology is we do a fair amount of work around innovation. And I always feel that the greatest innovations are where you're solving somebody else's problem. But a lot of our clients, when we start off, they want innovation to solve their problem. Yeah, and yeah, it's good to solve your problem. But if you can solve somebody else's problem, there's a lot more value in that. So that's what you're doing. And if you're not getting any commission for the online ordering, then what's in it for Gravity Payment? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing it? Well, a little bit of context on that. So our revenue is tied to our small businesses revenue. Um, we have 20,000 small businesses that are clients today. And we don't charge uh, like fees, like, you know, like monthly fees, annual fees to the degree that our competitors do. So our revenue basically is dependent on that small business having revenue. And, you know, in the end of February is when um, COVID-19 started to really be front and center and on our radar every single day that we were talking about. That was before any of the stay at home orders or anything like that, but we were, we were really concerned about it. So we shut down our office early. We figured if we were wrong and if it was not as dangerous as what we were worried about, we figured that um, it wouldn't be a bad test. You know, if, if this wasn't gonna be a crisis, you know, then there's a principle, you know, that I know you believe in, which is like having a little bit of slack and having some room for emergencies and, and allocation for emergencies. So we figured it's worst case scenario, it would be a chance to test our emergency preparedness. And so, so we got into it February and then in early March is when you know, we, we really 
buckled down and, and thought this could be a while. And I remember talking to uh, a, a gentleman who's one of the top chefs in Seattle. He owns 20 independent restaurants. And he told me the first week of March that he was budgeting down 25%. But then I, at the end of the sentence, I assumed was like for the next month or the next two months. And he said for the, the rest of the year. And I was like, what, wait, down 25% for the rest of the year. What does this guy know that I don't know? And so I started to dig into it more and, you know, by, by that first week of March, it was clear that things were getting serious and, and our client's revenue was starting to crater. And so it was 45% down. And I decided to share with the company that I was currently projecting 50 to 55% down, which meant that we would be losing one and a half million dollars a month. Um, and I had heard from mentors in my industry about really the only two ways to solve that in their book um, and the two easy, obvious ways, which is number one, you could start charging monthly and annual fees to your merchants. You know, $50 was thrown out there and suggested, which would be a million dollars a month. And number two, you could lay off 20 to 30% of your team, keep the strongest members of the team, um, you know, have the any, everybody else that's not kind of in that upper echelon of the company performance wise, you know, not be there, which does produce a huge amount of, you know, efficiency and theory. And, you know, if the top performers can kind of do their best and other people aren't there, then, you know, there's a, there's stories always of like the cohesion that comes after a layoff and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, I just, I just shared openly and honestly with, with everybody about what our situation was and that those were the two kind of obvious fixes, but I didn't want to do either of those. And I wanted us to try to come up with something else. And um, over the next four days, um, either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, I met with every single employee at the company um, over 200 people, uh, over 40 hours. I was having 10 hours of employee meetings about this per day, listening to their ideas. And, um, and so we'll, we'll get to that, but I'll, so I'll leave a little bit of a cliffhanger, but I needed the context to answer that question, which is like our, if we can raise our client's revenue, we basically have three ways to get out of that hole you know, like in the short term, you know, trying to manage expenses, but in the long term, from a revenue standpoint, if the economy recovers, that helps us. If, because the small business economy is down 55%. If our clients recover and kind of outperform the economy, if we give them these technology tools, that adds to our recovery. So if our clients just start getting all their revenue back, then we get all of our revenue back. And then number three, there's a lot of businesses out there that deserve to get their revenue back, but don't know that we have these tools. So bringing those three. So if we add those three together, we need to, as a company, more than double in the next year to be sustainable. And that's crazy for me to think about because that's never been the case. We've never had to double in a year just yeah. to stay in business. And it's crazy to think that after 16 years, that's the situation we're in. So this is clearly when you talk about the technology making it available, you're, you're setting yourself up for growth. You're, you're creating the value for your uh, current customers and future customers that will help to generate your growth because you're so directly tied to their growth. 
But yeah. there are more things that you did. Tell, talk to me a little bit more about how this conversation went with your employees and what were the big ideas that came out of talking with all of your employees? So I was just amazed at the unity that we had a, a kind of against like any type of broad across the board layoff and any type of uh, fee increase to our customers. And, you know, the, the theory on those things is that if you lay a lot of people off early, you can start to hire and signal to the rest of the team, like we're going to use this as a situation to upgrade our team and we're going to um, start the recovery early by kind of starting the layoff early and laying off more people than what's necessary. And, you know, they literally have classes for CEOs that I've been to about like, just, that's just the way you do it. And people say anything else that you try to do penalizes top performers, penalizes everybody. It kind of keeps you in this permanent purgatory as opposed to, they say kind of like rip the bandaid off and start to heal. And that's really the only way that you can deal with it. But we were looking at it, of course, we didn't know at that time, but we had some suspicion. There were 22 million people laid off in the following three weeks from where we were sitting. And that's, that was my concern was, number one, we never want to do that. But number two, laying people off when the unemployment offices are closed. I have a friend who, I guess her unemployment application got put in an exception file where it needs to be reviewed by a person, not through any fault of hers, just kind of a random thing. And she's been trying to get a hold of unemployment for three weeks and has not received a penny and basically has a full-time job trying to get a hold of unemployment. Yeah. And then number two, like these small businesses, yeah, you know, maybe like in most cases, like adding a $50 fee, which equates to a million dollars a month for us, probably wouldn't be that big of a deal or the end of the world to, the, to almost all of them. But there might, there's that one or two where it really would be horrible. Plus, it's just the gesture of it is so counter to everything that we're all about because our industry says, if we decide we need to save ourselves, we can do it by just charging you a little bit more. And our whole company is built to like reverse that and not take that kind of leverage against those small businesses. You know, just to, to step in for a second, one of the things yeah. that, is, that strikes me is that a lot of times people look at the decisions you make and they think that you're uh, sort of a naive 2020 hippie or that, that you're somebody <laughs> who's about uh, everything is love and peace and a little bit of weed or something. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what I'm hearing is that you're aware of what are typical responses for a business at a pretty deep level. You're not looking at this at a shallow level, you're doing some pretty deep thinking before you get to your conclusion of what you're going to do. That's true, but they're both true because like what I'm doing in that moment is like the business equivalent of kind of like running and jumping off a cliff, not knowing what's below. But I have faith and like the analogy that I think about is like, you know, there's always like somebody there to catch me but I just can't see them when I jump. And uh, I, I know that that's the, ca the case. I have faith that that's the case, but like, you know, taking big risks around communicating things you're not supposed to communicate or going down a direction that you're not supposed to go down in terms of the, the orthodoxy of business, you know, at every stage, 
or you know the biggest crisis we've ever faced this is the most people we've ever had like it's like will it work this time it worked last time but i can't it doesn't work in like a linear way i think some of those more traditional methods they work in a very predictable linear way and these more kind of like human-centered approaches to business it's not a logical like a b c d e it's more like a e it, it, this is you really touched on something that triggers for me because in our book the complete leader we have a chapter on problem solving and we talk about two different kinds of problems and you have to use completely different techniques to solve them the first problem is the linear problem and it will yield to more of an engineer's mind where it's step one two three it's a process that you're working on the second kind of problem is a complex or a non-linear problem we call it a wicked mess because it's a lot of knots. It's not just one problem, it's a whole bunch of things that are happening. And you have to work on one knot at a time. And sometimes you have to be willing to accept that you can't entirely solve the problem. And, or you may have to be willing to accept a certain amount of ambiguity and have faith that if you're doing things for the right reasons, at least at the end, you'll feel good about what you decided, even if it doesn't turn out the way you want. So what I heard you say and what I've really been seeing with our own team is that the thing that gives us stability during this time of disruption is our sense of purpose, why we exist, our values, how we want to do what we do in our relationships. Yeah. Everything else might fall apart, but we can hold on to those things. And if we hold on to those things, even if we fail, we'll be able to look back and say we, fail, we failed with character instead of yeah. because we compromised. Well, and that was my message to the team. I said, you know, it's, an, it's a mission impossible to come out of this alive with our integrity intact, um, you know, because of the expectations that we set for ourselves and how easy it is to basically say what so many other businesses said, which is we had no choice and we lost half of our business. So it would have been extremely easy to just say we have no choice and yet, you know, we didn't want to do that. So the first crazy idea that, the, uh, that came from the employees, which we didn't do, um, but we were going to, it was kind of the first option. And it was like, that's what we're going to do when I heard it, was let's have a, an election. So they said, let's have a democratic election. Maybe it's up or down. Maybe it's you present five choices and, you know, you kind of, have like a top two primary and then a general election and we figure out what, you know, because that way, even if you're, we're doing something that's violating company principles, there's kind of a somewhat of a ameliorating factor that it was like democratically decided. The morality of the crowd. Yeah. And so that sounded appealing to me, but then I started sharing that with other people and I had two or three people say something along the lines of, yeah, but like a one size fits all solution will hurt one type of person so much more than another person because we have so much diversity. Even at that point in mid-March, you know, we'd had people who had had their spouses laid off. We had had people who were dealing with um, health and financial crisis. So we had a number of these things and, and also, you know, um, 70k doesn't go as far as in Seattle as it used to. And so, you know, 
the kind of guarantee that we had in 2015 that people wouldn't kind of live above their means kind of unnecessarily didn't like stick around. So I don't think it was our employees fault, but the, the cost of living in Seattle increased pretty significantly from 2015 to 2020. And, you know, we were all as a company united around this idea of people being able to live, live like a healthy kind of middle-class type life. So it was like, it might, impact one person like one guy mentioned he said hey i have a a wife that makes way more money than i do she's got a great job and like they're doing great right now all this is going to help her like he said i don't need to make anything and then we had other people that said you know i just we just turned in from a two income household to a one income household and so so the idea that came up really seemed pie in the sky it was let's just open up a a medium for everybody to be able to say what they want to contribute, be it like more hours to get more of our clients on some of these technologies, or, you know, if they can set like a different pay rate that helps the company, et cetera. And so we did that. And the, 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 the kind of mandate from the employees as a whole was if we can do everything in a voluntary uh, uh, anonymous way, do that. And if not, then we'll turn to the democratic solution and, you know, more pressure on Dan and and Tammy and other leaders, Tammy Kroll, our chief operating officer. So anyway, we, we opened that up and we ended up having uh, 10 people asked to work completely for nothing, uh, which blew me away. I was not expecting that. Um, You know, we were thinking more in like the 30% range would be kind of the top end of people wanting to adjust their pay down, maybe 50% at the most. We did have between two and three dozen people ask to cut their pay by at least 50% or more. And then we had 98% of the company, so all but four people asked to adjust their pay downward in some meaningful way. And some people wrote things like, hey, I'm adjusting my pay down by 5% because I'm already in a crisis, but I want to do everything I can. And I figured out how to come up with this amount of money, you know? So it was, it was really inspirational to see. And it took our, that combined with a bunch of other work that people were doing to manage our expenses, took our monthly loss down from 1.5 million a month to uh, a half a million a month. And we made that change within like a week and a half. Actually, a lot of the changes were backdated. So we basically made that change essentially 100% real time. Wow. And, you know, it's the type of thing that you would never find in a business textbook because it's never happened before, at least that I know of. You know, that level of speed of communication and like everybody acting together, but also in a diverse way, like I've never seen it before. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know that there's some researchers that salivating right now because they'd like to see the, the dynamics of that. They'd like to see what the average cut was, how many people, they'd like to create a bell curve around it. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of interesting data there to study sometime in the future. And there's no names attached to it, but we have all that data. You know, it just says one, two, three, and then, you know, there's a very small list of administrators that ha- have actually the names of people of what's what. Yeah, yeah, that's quite amazing. And obviously that comes out of a culture. You have to have a certain culture where people feel the level of trust and connectedness to each other that they're saying, I'm willing to sacrifice to help all of us get through this. Well, and the risk that I took, I think, was 
that the communication would cost us like a week or so and that it could make things more difficult. But I just, I think that the, the rules have changed so much because the, the kind of quote unquote right way of handling a situation like this, it's just been done so many times. And every time it's like, it feels a little bit worse for people that I wonder if there is a larger culture of more of an appetite for real honest conversations. And if we're ready to having have less of a um, paternalistic type setup where we just kind of trust. And I think the way most employees are dealing with that now is they just don't trust their employer, they move around a lot. But I think it's probably given the power dynamics, I think it's probably incumbent on the employer to be the one to be vulnerable all the time and to kind of stick its neck out. And I think employees and communities that are around businesses would respond really well to that, even if they don't have a past history or culture of it, just because I think it's so different. I think the, the level of conformity in business is so large now that I think if you can be different, then there's, you know, there might be a half percent of people out there only that love the way you are different as a company. You know, we have a higher percentage than that, but let's say you're at a company where there's only a half percent. Now with the world so connected and like the internet and the world so small, a half percent of 7 billion people, 8 billion people, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And, and things have changed and they will not go back the way they were. We don't know exactly what it will look like going forward, but we know it's not going to be the same. So I want to step back for just a second because we've talked a lot about the people part of it, which I think is great. And I know it's at the core of your company's values, but you got to manage the financial part of it beyond just that. And I, I, it's probably not appropriate here to go into the specifics, but I know that you put a lot of effort into liquidity during this time as well. You, you didn't just think about the payroll part of it. You looked at every place and every way that you could develop liquidity because liquidity is the number one financial measure when you're in a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I, I follow you on social media. So I saw something else that was interesting that I thought, I love things that are new ideas. And I think disruption is the best ground for germinating new ideas. I saw you put something out on social media where you invited people who were unemployed to become a partner with Gravity Payments. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's called our Small Business Champion Program. And it came out of the heartbreak of realizing the tens of millions of people that would become unemployed. And that affects people obviously severely in a financial way, but it also affects people in non-financial ways in terms of their sense of like direction, drive, self-worth, um, and their career momentum can also um, struggle in a situation like that. So, and the other thing that's funny about me is, you know, I'm probably one of the only people out there that has, you know, a, a company where I have 200 employees, but there's 10,000 people that have asked me to work at my company. And like the, the ratio of, you know, we probably any given time um, under the best of circumstances have like five open positions. So 10,000 people going for five open positions, pretty brutal. Even worse um, than Harvard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, exactly. And so, right now we're in a hiring freeze. So, I'm saying no to everybody, except for, you know, if somebody leaves, then we're replacing them. But we're not, um, we're not increasing our headcount right now until we can get into a better financial position. So, all that was extremely uh, discouraging. And so, I came up with the idea of 
having more like online learning type tools, videos, resources, et cetera, and basically allowing people to do just a very small part of what it would be like to work at Gravity and to connect these both COVID-19, but also 2020 digital solutions to some of these individual businesses in their community. And that we would pay them $200 for every business that they sent our way that ended up signing up with Gravity. So it's a way for maybe somebody who's on unemployment to supplement their income. It's a way for people to help us out. It's a way for people to help their community-based businesses out. And you know, I don't want to like get my own hopes up, but maybe someday, you know, we'll actually be able to hire people that started off in this small business champion program. And that's really exciting to me too. So we, we're, we're trying to not blow it up too much. So I've just been, you know, very light in the way I've been talking about it, but um, you know, we just want to make sure that we don't have any hiccups or anything that creates a bad experience for anybody in doing it, but we're excited about the potential to create opportunities for people. And what have the early responses been? Have you had people responding to your social media posts? Yeah, I haven't done many, um, actually. And I've done the type that are on smaller platforms or platforms that don't really go up. So I've been trying to like somewhat n not make too many people respond. But we've already had dozens of people sign up for the program. Wow. And we're already ha seeing early success of them being able to uh, help people sign up with Gravity. So in the event that someone <laughs> does end up watching this conversation and they're interested in that, what do they, what do, they do if they want to look into that? So more? just go to our Small Business Champion page on the Gravity website. You can Google Gravity Payment Small Business Champion. And, uh, you know, we may be able to, we may be able to employ or at least not employ, but provide some supplemental income for more people in this crisis than we were ahead of time. I think one of the things that we're thinking about from an ambition standpoint is how do we make a bigger difference because it's so needed in the next 16 months than what we have in our 16 year history before COVID-19. Yeah, that, that you are good at sort of capturing this in a way that inspires people to be a part of the team. Let's say that I were to sign up for the Become a Gravity Payments Champion program do you have advice for how people go about sending uh, leads to you to, to consider? Yeah, it's all, it's all laid out on the website, but basically there's a form that you fill out with all the information of the business that wants to um, have a consultation with Gravity and you have an individual code that basically allows, you to, allows us to track and make sure that that goes to you. Um, but the, the real big thing is just to make sure that the business understands like the types of solutions. So it's very simplified. Gravity can do two things. Number one, pay less when you're just getting paid with a credit card. Number two, get these digital solutions. Like another example that I haven't brought up before is veterinary clinics. Right now you can't go in the veterinary clinic. So we have text to pay and prepay and e-commerce and mobile commerce for veterinary clinics. So it's all these types of solutions and there's info about those individual solutions on our website that you can see. But it, just having that business say that they're open to talking to us, they have time. So it's like two things, pay less to get paid, get set up for digital 2020 COVID-19. And most importantly, all with white glove service because it's such a stressful, there's never been a more stressful time to be a small business owner 
So we have to be really nice and allow people to feel really taken care of. If we make it even a little bit opaque or difficult or confusing or frustrating, it's just not a time to add to the frustrations of small businesses. Yeah, so I know that that means that they get a person on the phone and they're not going to be waiting for a few hours and things like that. But um, again, I want to come back to, let's say that I'm going to participate in this program. Do I just start going door to door or do I, freak, do I go to the people that I'm buying from regularly saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you that helps us both out? Or what, what's the best way for somebody to create their own little business? I would, um, I would research the people that you're going to talk to ahead of time. And I would start with your local community businesses that you know. I would go on their website and say, what do they have in terms of e-commerce, online buying, ordering ahead, paying ahead, you know, paying by text, email, all those things. And you could also cross-reference with Gravity's resources for that industry on our website. And then you basically can craft a pitch that helps them to see the value in a really simple, easy way that's low pressure, that's just like, this is available, you know, would you like to have this? Um, and then a lot of it is just, you know, the repetition of like, you know, asking very nicely and with low pressure, but maybe asking, you know, enough times that, the timing works for you. Because if you ask somebody kind of one time, you know, it could, it could be not the best time for them to talk about it. And so you just have to keep in mind that like the timing's not always ideal and, and be present and available enough that when the timing's better, you know, you have that solution for them. But I think it's really like going with the relationships, you know, the other thing is the industry that, you know, so, there's a very famous uh, restaurant entrepreneur in New York, probably one of the most successful restaurant founders in the world. And he has 2000 people on his staff that he's laid off and he has a foundation that he's starting to try to help them through this. And so that staff um, controls that foundation. He doesn't control it at all. And so they're talking about maybe having those 2000 people, you know, connect gravity with restaurants since they all know the restaurant industry and there's kind of like a cause-based thing there so so if you if you were for example in the uh, marine industry i have a friend who uh, was a boat salesperson and he got laid off so the best thing for him would be to connect all of our local you know marine purveyors marinas you know like um boat docks for like fuel um, all those types of things with us because he knows that industry really well and he can start with his kind of direct circle of influence. And then I think the way to really expand it would be to ask those direct people that you've helped for referrals. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I hope that somebody can turn this into kind of like something that creates a full-time income, but I don't necessarily project that's going to be the case. But if anybody was going to do that, it would be hundred percent dependent on the referrals and their reputation. Yeah, and, and what's amazing is that you're saying that on your website, you have all of these things about how to do it. So you're not just giving them an opportunity, but you're giving them guidance for how they can be successful. I, yeah, I, wanna... I think it's also something we can keep giving better and better guidance and keep you know working with our small business champions to improve it. Yeah, and I just think that this idea probably never would have surfaced had we not gone into this kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it was always in the back of my head, but I don't think I would have ever done anything about it. <laughs> yeah. oh, let's shift gears for a minute because um, I'm expecting that you get, because you get a chance to see the data from all of these businesses. 
you can tell the ones that are really struggling or maybe not going to survive, but you can also see those that have figured out how to do well during this time. So are there any things that really stick out to you about the businesses that are doing well, or are you researching those at all so that you can share that information with others? I think um, simplifying things the way I did, you know, like is, is something that I'm seeing, but like an example that's totally different from gravity payments is my favorite restaurant is called pork chop and co. And they got rid of two thirds of their menu because they needed to be so efficient and they got rid of the two thirds that had fresh food. So they're doing, you know, cooked food, but they're not doing like their salads anymore because that has a little bit of a less of a shelf life for them. They're, they're, and they're going to layer that back in once they get their sales up greater than 50% from where it was before, which they, they have crossed that they're doing great. And every week they've been climbing up. So the last few weeks they've climbed up from 20% of their sales to 50% of their sales. Mm. And uh, yeah. And so, you know, the owner Paul has shared that online. So I, you know, that's where I can share it. Most of the time I can't share these things that I'm seeing. Um, or I just have to leave out the name of the business, but there's also, um, also connecting their community. You know, we're really looking to support each other in this. And there's, um, another restaurant called Moctezuma's restaurant that's owned by my friend Bernie. And he is out there on social media marketing and he's coming up with like new margaritas all the time. You, we have to go liquor sales now. So, and he's trying to just be ultra creative. So whereas Paul's like really simplifying things to paring down the menu and then having like a really efficient system that you can have with fewer menu items of getting a lot of volume of food out and getting a lot of customers in and out quickly. Bernie's kind of going the other direction where he's like coming up with something new and exciting every week to keep his, cause he has more like regulars and he wants to keep them coming back and looking for something new. So he's creating yeah. something new and interesting. And, but I think, you know, for us, we're doing the exact same thing. We're simplifying our message quite a bit. And then we're relying a lot more on our community than we ever have to spread our message, knowing that, We've been investing in those relationships for our entire history as a company, and we rarely ask for anything. And so now when we're asking, hey, can you help get this out, help get these solutions out to people that really need it, we're finding that people are coming through and connecting us. Yeah, that's great. These are really encouraging examples. And I'm, I'm smiling because you're reminding me of a song that we sing in church a lot. It goes, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Ah, I remember that song, and, yeah. and even in the tough times, there are ways to be creative. There are ways to continue to live the kind of life that you want to live around your values. So I'm, I'm, I'd like to finish up today by giving you a quiz. Um, I've been meeting with a lot of senior leadership teams. They've been asking me to guide a conversation with them about how to lead during this time. And I've developed seven different ideas that we talk about that help you to be successful as a leader during this time. So I'm going to give you a quiz and ask you, I'll mention one of them. I ask you to grade yourself A, B, or C. I'm not going to allow you to give yourself a D, but just give yourself an A, B, or a C based on each of these. So the first one, the first key to leading well in a time of a lot of turmoil is take care of yourself. 
<laughs> what kind of grade are you going to give yourself? Probably not super good on that one. Uh, maybe a C. Okay. The second one is it be honest. C's the worst, right? Yeah, C's the worst, yeah. Okay. Second one Whatever is be honest is. with people. Don't try to spin the truth. The, the thing that people ex need from the leader more than anything else is to feel that they're informed, that they know what's really going on. So how have you done with being honest, A, B, or C? Well, I'll let other people grade me on that one, but I, I, I believe and I certainly am doing everything in my power to earn an A on that one. Okay, good. And it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I want, if you feel you've done an A, I want you to give me an A. Okay, number three, don't make promises that you can't keep. Sometimes we end up giving people assurances because we're concerned for them that are beyond our ability to deliver, and we set them up for disappointment later when we can't follow through. So don't make promises you can't keep. What kind of grade would you give yourself? I would give myself an A on that one. Okay, great. Number four, realign your commitments and resources regularly because the situations are in flux. So yeah. how well have you done with that? Well, uh, our team has done an amazing job of that. So I would give the team an A on that one more so than me. Okay. This one, I know what your grade's going to be already, but it's think differently. Every time of disruption opens up the opportunity for new things to come forth. So think differently. You did that by having all your employees participate in the conversation about what's our strategy going to be. But beyond that, what kind of grade would you give yourself, A, B, or C? Well, I think that um, the team really deserves an A on that one, too. So I'll give myself an A also because basically before we would kind of, we had such a good reputation, such modest needs for growth. We would just take really good care of our customers. And we did have some sales effort, but largely, you know, we didn't have a huge sales effort. We like relied on word of mouth referral and our reputation. And now we have all these solutions that are so needed. So we need to, but not known, no one knows to call us. And so the method of like waiting for our customers to call us and ask us for something doesn't work. So we've had to basically retrain ourselves, all 200 of us to like outreach and like get out there and figure out how do we get this message out there to people that really need it? And how do we do it quickly? Because if you wait, you know, three, four weeks, that business might not be there anymore if they yeah. haven't had that. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, like being willing to adapt and change and think differently has been a strength. Yeah, I have to pause the quiz for a moment here because I think over, I've been involved in some kind of business activity for over 45 years now. And what I've learned over and over and over again is that the biggest thing that you can do for your customers is to reach out and ask them how they're doing. And it's a, it's a cliche, it's a silly cliche, but I, it keeps coming back to me over and over again how true it is that people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's yeah. a cliche unless you live it. If you're, if you, you can't fake care and have it work. But if you decide that part of your own identity and your sense of purpose is caring for others, people can feel that. So great. That brings me to number six in the quiz. Communicate, communicate, communicate. So it's communicating at the right time in the right way to the right stakeholders, so that people who need to find things out find them out through the right channels. It's everything around communication. 
What kind of grade would you give yourself for that? I mean, people at Gravity and our community know really, really well what's going on, but yet there's still so many people out there that don't know like what we're doing. And so I guess I give myself a B because everybody that's closely connected has full information right now. But at the same time, it's just so hard to get the word out to every corner. Yeah. And we live in a noisy world right now. So you've got to figure out how to, co how to connect with the people that you want to help in a way that they hear and understand what they could get from you. Okay. Number seven, the last question in my quiz is continue to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. That's such a great sense of uh, source of strength when you're going through a difficult time. So what kind of grade would you give yourself in terms of being grateful and thankful and the old phrase, counting your blessings? Uh, with the caveat that I'm very heartbroken, I would give myself an A plus on that one because I am so grateful for the people around me. Maybe it's easier in my situation than some other people. So, but I just do, I just can't believe like the people around me that I have and the support that I have. I mean, <clears throat> when did you start teaching me business and leadership? <laughs> I think uh, I was in the single digits for sure. I think it, I think it was, yeah. I yeah, think. and then I started trying to launch some businesses with you or help you with things, and then yeah, uh, I, mean, I, was, I remember the baseball card business with radio advertising. I actually yeah, had that I, radio ad on, on a cassette. It may show up online someday. I don't know. And I got a production assistant job with you when I was nine. Yeah. Um, right. Down in California. Uh, well, no, in Asia. Oh, in I Kong see. Yeah, Taiwan. okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, and your, your brother Nicholas, did, he went on a, a video shoot with me down in Southern California. That's what I was thinking about. And then, um, and then uh, you know, like started the band when I was 12. So, you know, like it's been, it's been a situation where I have a lot of advantages, um, you know, that most people don't have uh, about like business specifically. And uh, so I feel, you know, I feel like really highly valued and, and I feel like I can make a big difference right now. And uh, I think about so many people that, you know, are, are undervalued, you know, I think frontline grocery store workers, restaurant workers, you know, medical profession, you know, is in a really difficult situation. And so even though like, um, Basically, in a few weeks, I went from having a, you know, something that I had built over 16 years and built to last, looked like it was going to go away and evaporate. But, um, you know, I still just am thankful that I have my job today and am here at Gravity. Yeah, and of course, we're not to the last chapter yet, so we continue on. But just a couple things in closing. I, I think that your parents gave you a lot of good ingredients to work with like most parents, there are exceptions, but most people get good ingredients to work with, but you're the one who's created the recipes. It, we, we can't create your life. You create your own life. We just get let you know what ingredients are in the cupboard that you can work with. And then you build your own recipe and you create something hopefully that satisfies you and satisfies others. Um, a lot of what I've been reflecting on and meditating on during this time comes out of our book, Growing Influence, where we talk about these three different circles of, of uh, influence that we build in our lives. The first one we call our circle of control. These are the things that we can control 100%. So we can decide 
Yeah, it's different for everybody, but maybe you decide when you get up or when you go to bed or you decide what you read or what you eat or drink or whether you exercise. These are all things that we can have 100% control over. And it's a great source of building personal strength if you're intentional about it and you hold yourself accountable to a certain standard of behavior. The second circle we call the circle of collaboration. And this is where there are things you want to do, but you can't do them alone. You need help. And if you can find other people who have shared interest and shared values, but different perspectives, different perceptions, those are the ingredients for great collaboration. You both want to achieve the same thing. You both have the same set of values, but you look at it from different angles and you create opportunities with each other because you're not thinking the same all the time. And then the third circle, the circle of concern, it's where we get all caught up in the news and you said about how sad you are, and I appreciate that. I appreciate, I think it's part of being a full human to be able to suffer with those who suffer and to recognize what they're going through. Yet at the same time as leaders, if we let that become too loud, it really paralyzes us in our leadership. So we have to find that balance between being aware of it and sensitive to it and identifying with it, but still saying, how can I make a difference? So for me, I've been looking at those three circles and I've been thinking, I want to spend 60% of my time building my circle of control. I want to get stronger and stronger in my emotions, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I want to keep building my bank account, so to speak, there. And about 30% of my time in my circle of collaboration, I want to find other people that I can work with who have shared interests and shared values, but they see things differently. They have different talents or skills. And then I want to limit my exposure to those things that I cannot control. They're completely out of my reach, or at least it's invisible to me, to like 10% of my energy. And I don't know if that's the right percentage. Another way I think of that circle of control is it's like a knob on a stereo. And it can go from zero to 10. I want to keep it at about two or three so that I hear what's going on. I understand it, but I don't let it paralyze me from doing what I can do. Because the best way I can help other people who are suffering is by being the best version of me and finding ways to create value. So anyway, I, as That's we great. would say in the old days, now it's time for the offering. <laughs> <laughs> That's super helpful, Dad. Love yeah. you. Yeah, I love you too. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.